And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about helping professionals use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. But today, we're going to be talking about something totally different, and I promise I'll tie it back into social media somehow, but this is an extremely important topic, and I think it's very important for men and women because it's kind of a women-focused program, but you know, or uh, but we really want men to know this too. So you know, for everybody out there listening, Please join me in welcoming Judy Morio. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I said your last name wrong. It's Morio. It's Morio. Judy That's okay. Morio. Sorry about that. We want to make sure we have that right okay. because people need to be able to find you. <laughs> it's, um, it's like Oreo cookies with an M. Yes. Yes, yes, most definitely. So um, let me tell folks a little bit about you because, you know, somebody might not be familiar with her, with you. So Judy Morio is a performance enhancement specialist whose unique approach to helping people succeed has made her one of the most sought after creativity coaches in the country. She lives in Las Vegas, Nevada, and serves as president of Turning Point International. She has received the Outstanding Achievement and Community Service Award from the American Women in Radio and Television, was honored as Woman of Achievement Entrepreneur by the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce, and was named Nevada Business Person of the Year by the U.S. Business Advisory Council. Now we're going to be talking about one of just uh, one book out of 11 that Judy has written. But first, Judy, tell us a little bit, what the heck is a performance enhancement specialist (laughs) and why did you decide to focus on this? Well, a performance enhancement specialist is someone who specializes in looking at problems and issues that companies and corporations have and see how to improve the performance of the people who are working there. Great. Well, why did you decide that this was a field you wanted to go into? Um, I, well, it's, I don't know if I really decided it or if it, <laughs> it happened, if it happened to me, I owned my own business for 21 years okay. and was very, very successful with my business. And people started calling me and saying, how did you do that? And then mm-hmm. organizations called and said, would you come and talk to us about how you took that business from an initial investment of $2,000 up to being a very recognized worldwide business in your field. And so I started talking about it and giving uh, speeches. And then someone said, could we hire you to come and look at what we do? And Ah. so I went and did that. And of course, now I've been doing it for 25 years. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really observing what people are doing and why and why okay. they do it that way. Because I don't think most people go to work in the morning and say, oh, let's see what I can screw up today. Or let's right. go and see who I can aggravate today. But mm-hmm. sometimes those things happen. And mm-hmm. usually it's because the person has something going on in their personal life or in their uh, feelings about themselves that are connected with where they're working that mm-hmm. say, I'm not good enough, or I don't know how to do this, or I'm not creative enough, or I don't know mm-hmm. how to think outside the lines like they want me to. And so I need to find out what's happening with that person and see mm-hmm. how we can turn that around so that they are more productive. And and I've loved doing it. It's kind of like a big puzzle. You kind of mm-hmm. look at all the pieces and say, ooh, why, do, why does this not fit together right? And right. how can we make it fit? And it's mm-hmm. based on what my book, You Are More Than Enough, is about. It's based on self-esteem. It's based on that feeling of, mm-hmm. of everyone else is uh, maybe knows what's going on and is more sophisticated and has more idea of what's happening in life than I do. And so we have a tendency to underestimate ourselves and overestimate everyone else, when in mm-hmm. fact we all have incredible creative abilities. We all have that ability within ourselves to be really good at something, to be really good at what we do. But, you know, most of us don't love going to work. And Mm -hmm. so it's, 
important that they find something about the work that they can really enjoy and really excel at doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned your book. And as, as I said, it's just one of 11 that you have written. And this book, it's an international bestseller. And the, the full title is You Are More Than Enough. Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion, and Power. And and I love that. And as I mentioned, we want the men listening to pay attention to this too. <laughs> but it really does talk about that self-esteem and, and all of those things. And, you know, my experience, and this is, you know, just totally anecdotal, is that women in many cases do have more self-esteem issues than men. And, and you know, and, and I'm sure men obviously have self-esteem issues. They just deal with them differently. You know, women tend to really internalize those things. And, and... We think that other people's opinions of us are so very, very important when maybe we should be ignoring those or filtering them or, or you know, doing all sorts of things to, to realize that just because Bob or Susie said a negative comment about us, maybe it wasn't even negative and we're going to twist it and make it negative or, um, you know, but it's it's really not who we are. So, you know, obviously the book ties into what you do, but why did you decide to write the book? Well, for years and years, I've been working with people. You know, like I said, when I had my own business, I had almost a thousand part-time employees that worked for me. And I just kept seeing over and over people who had self-esteem issues. And yes, men do have as many self-esteem issues as women do. They, ha mm -hmm. they hide it better is what it is. Mm -hmm. They've been taught not to show their emotions right. and feelings to be as much. And so they, man. they hide mm -hmm. it. But it was interesting when I was doing the audio book of You Are More Than Enough, the young man who was recording it in the recording studio, uh, when it was all finished, he looked at me and he said, why did you write this just for women? You know, I could have used this. This is something that if right. I had known I, 20 years ago, I'd have been more successful than I am mm -hmm. right now. And, and the truth is, I really didn't originally write it just for women. I mm -hmm. wrote it for men and women both in the beginning. And then mm -hmm. the publisher said, men don't buy books. W right. women buy books and women buy mm -hmm. books for men. So mm -hmm. we need to gear this more for women. So I went mm -hmm. back in and rewrote it to uh, gear it more for women. Right. But the information in it is just as good for men as, as it is for women. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote it because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted people to have, it's almost like a personal development course. Mm -hmm. If you read it, you can, you can get into the book and you start to say, oh, I could do that. I could make that mm -hmm. happen. And then at the end of each chapter, I put like a little skill practice right. there. So people mm -hmm. could write in their own book and, and write down what they've done about, about the things that they've read and what they've practiced. And people have said to me, oh, now I can't loan this book to anyone else because I've got all my right. personal notes in it. Mm -hmm. And so they end up giving another one to someone else. But mm -hmm. And then as a result of that, because so many people were successful at using the book and making the notes and making things happen in their lives, they kept saying, what do we do now? And then I created a journal to go with the book so that they could pick up from where they left off in the book and then every year have their journal to make sure that they succeed at the things at which they want to succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now one of the things as I was reading your bios um, that, you know, and, and the online information about you that, that kind of made me curious, you've traveled extensively, you know, internationally, you uh, spent a lot of time in South Africa. Have you found that there are cultural differences with self-esteem, with this self-criticism, you know, all of these various things. Yes, yes, I have found that there are cultural differences uh, it, because of the way men and women are raised. And in so many um, places around the world, men really are raised to be superior to women. Right. And mm -hmm. so that, therefore women are taught that they are inferior to men or they should take mm -hmm. a, a step back and let men be the the king, the hero, the super person. And mm -hmm. so, yes, I've seen a big difference in it. However, I do notice that everywhere I go and do these programs, people come up to me afterwards and say, wow, you know, that was, that was what I needed today. And I've had many, mm -hmm. many men, in fact, men in very high places who sat through my programs and said, I really needed that today. I really, mm -hmm. I, in fact, I had one man that we were doing a program and he was in the military and he was quite high up in the military and we had done an exercise in the program and at one point in the exercise he didn't have a partner so I went and sat with him 
and was his partner in the exercise. Oh. And the exercise was where we told each other the good things about uh, each other and the things we respected and admired about the other person. And I didn't know this man at all. I'd just seen him come in the room. So I told him mm-hmm. what I had uh, as an impression of him from, right. from mm-hmm. just watching him and so on. And then he, it was his turn to tell me something. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I was going home tonight and commit suicide. <gasps> but oh, no. now that I've been through your program today, I think I need to get some professional help. Wow. And I'm amazing. It was just amazing. I just mm-hmm. I could not believe that someone was sitting there looking so together mm-hmm. and and having those feelings on the inside. But, you know, a lot of people are that way. A lot of people are right. walking around looking like they've got it totally together. In fact, some of the mm-hmm. people who look the most together are the people who are the most fragmented. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important for us not not to get into, as you say, worrying about what other people are thinking about us but maybe what we can give to the other person. And in mm-hmm. fact, my dad said to me one time when I was a teenager, and I always used to have this thing about my hair and I had it look perfect. And I was going out and my dad said to me, what makes you think anybody else is thinking about you anyway? Most, mm-hmm. most of the time people are thinking about themselves. And right. it really hit me so hard that, that for the rest of my life, I've really thought about that. You know, mm-hmm. that person isn't really thinking about me. They, they could care less what I'm mm-hmm. dressed or how my hair is or my makeup, as long as I'm a good person and I'm nice right. to them and I'm kind. That's mm-hmm. that's what people care is how mm-hmm. we leave them feeling, you know, not what we look like. Right. And we want to leave them feeling good about themselves. Um, you know, and, and so maybe it is that we compliment their hair, their work, whatever it is. Um, you know, and, and that's where it is so important to really think about that impression that you leave with people. Um, I had Peter Shankman on as a guest on my program one time and I, and I, and this was several years ago and I still remember this and I still try and do it every single time. He, when he's deciding if he's going to work with someone or not, he looks at how they treat people who are what we would probably typically refer to as being a service industry yes, or something like yes. that. So the admin assistants, the person at the drive through at McDonald's right. or, you know, those. And, and he looks at that and if they say thank you and please, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of those things, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to those people, then he knows that they're a good person and that they're in the, you know, they're, they're a person he wants to work with. And I really have tried to, to do that. You know, if, if I'm in a restaurant and a waiter refills my water glass, I stop the conversation I'm having, you know, or, you know, I, I make a point of turning and thanking them and, you know, smiling or at least acknowledging that, you know, thank you very much for doing that. Yes, I know it's your job, but still, you know, um, you know, and, and so I do, I say, thank you. I say, please, I, you know, I try to now granted, you know, we're, we're not perfect, but it is one of those things. And, and sometimes it's like you said, one or two things that you say to somebody makes a difference in their day or in their life. Yes. You know, simply acknowledging that you appreciate somebody really does go a long way. It does. It's amazing. I keep uh, some of my books in my car and every mm-hmm. now and then I'll go through a drive through I don't eat a lot of fast food, but once in a while mm-hmm. I go through a drive through And if the person is really, really super nice and they do a great uh-huh. job and they're enthusiastic, I say, you just won the prize of today because your service Yay. is so good. And I give them a copy mm-hmm. of the book. Right. I am amazed how many of them turn around and start screaming and show everybody that they just won a book. They're mm-hmm. they're so excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, maybe if they read the book, maybe it'll help make a difference and make their lives even better. Right. right. Well, and, you know, it's it's interesting that we do, you know, and in many ways have this mindset of making other people feel appreciated, <coughs> excuse me, or showing our gratitude to them. But we do the exact opposite to ourselves, which is the the part, which is is your book, is, you know, we might, you know, we might say, thank you, you have done such a fabulous job. And then that little voice in our head says, I couldn't do that, you know, or, (laughs) or whatever it is. And so that's the purpose of the book is to get people past these self-criticisms and all of these things that, you know, and, and it does seem to be more women. And, you know, clearly I'm going to have more experience in that than if I were a man. But that little voice, holy cow, that little voice is just so incredibly constructive or destructive. And the point is we need to make it 
constructive to help us through. And, and, and it's not to say we shouldn't be critical of ourselves because yes, we should. I mean, that is part of how we learn and how we, we improve ourselves. But, you know, rather than the, the little voice saying, oh my God, you're so stupid. It should say, hey, maybe I should go learn more about this or, you know, things like that. So, so, you know, where do we even, you know, where does that little voice come from? How does it even start? <laughs> that little voice, our self-talk, it, it starts when we're children. You know, mm -hmm. most of us don't have uh, those kind of issues when we're real little, but then people start telling us, no, don't do that or do something right. differently, or that's not the way to do something. And I'm amazed at the number of people that when I get to know them well, turn out that they had parents that were extremely critical, extremely mm -hmm. critical. And so then they start to internalize that voice. I always think that we have like four voices in our head. We have the victim mm -hmm. voice, which is the, the voice of, oh, everybody's picking on me. And then we have that child play-like voice that's like, I can do it, but I probably shouldn't. And mm -hmm. then we have the parent voice, which is like, you could have done, you should have done, you would have done. And right. then we have the victor voice, which is like, yay, I did it, I did it, I, I accomplished it. And mm -hmm. most of the time, that victor voice is not the voice that we're in, in our head. So we mm -hmm. have to learn to talk to those other voices. We have to learn to say, stop it, or thank you for sharing, or that's not true, and then mm -hmm. immediately correct it. Because mm -hmm. we do have a tendency to beat ourselves up worse than we would ever talk to anybody else. Right. And, oh, and, and we'd be angry if somebody talked to us like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'd be very angry if somebody else talked to us like that. But we do it to ourselves. Really, it's just awful. And it's taken me years to learn to stop doing that. In mm -hmm. fact, I had a situation last week where I was so proud of myself. So for once, I, I didn't beat myself up. I had a major keynote speech at a hotel in Las Vegas, and I was um, had food poisoning the night before, oh. and I was sick the entire night, and I mm -hmm. stood up to speak to the group that day, and I couldn't make my brain work. It was like I knew what I was going to say, but uh -huh. it was like there was this long playing record in my head, and the needle was skipping across the mm -hmm. record, and I, I felt like I wasn't tying things up or tying them together. And I just, and I thought, how am I going to get through this? And I looked at the clock and it was like, you only have five minutes left. You can finish this up really good. And I, mm -hmm. and I did it and I walked out of there and everybody was applauding and they were like, mm -hmm. yeah, you were really, really good. Now, most of the time, if I had been that horrible, I would have come home and beat myself up something right. terrible. Mm -hmm. But I had to say to myself, wait a minute. The meeting planner loved you. The vice president of the company loved you. They were paying the bill. Mm -hmm. The audience loved you. People rushed up and bought books. You know, so. Right. So clearly you did a fabulous yeah, job. So I was okay. I might not have been my best, but it wasn't terrible because mm -hmm. if, if it had been, they wouldn't be talking to me like I was somebody mm -hmm. special. They would have gone away and not talked to me at all. And so I came home and I didn't beat myself up for probably mm -hmm. the first time ever about doing something like that. And mm -hmm. I was just really proud. I was like, well, right. why did it take you an entire lifetime to get to this point to where, because mm -hmm. I know I've done speeches when I was younger that really were much worse than the one I did mm -hmm. the other day. And I thought I was hot stuff, you know, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. we just have to say, wait a minute, maybe I don't have a clear picture of myself. Maybe mm -hmm. I've distorted this with uh, thoughts that I've gotten from other people because we do mm -hmm. let other people affect how we believe about ourselves. I mean, right. I know people that had high self-esteem and then got married and then the person they married put them down all the time mm -hmm. and they come out of a marriage a few years later and they've got no self-esteem again. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, you know, we, and I'm saying that as in women, and, you know, again, this is anecdotally, we, in so many cases, read something into it that wasn't there. You know, maybe we're at a networking event and we wave at somebody to say hello and they ignore us. And and then we feel this snub and we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, they would never do and never do business with me and yada yada. And of course, that little voice just goes berserk mm -hmm. when maybe they just didn't see you. Yep. Or, you know, and, and we always tend to forget that you know, we, we don't know what's going on in their head. Exactly. You know, they might have looked at us and, you know, they might have even seen us, but there was something else that was going on. And, you know, and we do that little voice tends to really take on a life of its own. And and then it goes the yabbit, yabbit, 
yeah, but you know, and, and, and we just keep really going on with that when it wasn't their intent to snub you. It wasn't their intent to not respond to the email. Maybe their email system crashed, you know, or their voicemail got lost or, you know, all these various things. But we really do put more into it than was intended. And then we think about it a lot more and we hold on to it a lot more. Um, there's a, a book that I, I usually try to reread every couple of years, how to play like a man, but win like a woman. Oh, I love that. It's, it's fast, quick read, you know, very short. And it's one of the things it's really the, the purpose of the book is to show how men and women and, and in the United States, uh, obviously were brought up differently. You know, men were brought up that you were a team player. Because they played team sports, you know, and, and they started playing them when they were itty bitty. And, you know, but they were also taught that you bragged, you know, it didn't matter what it was. You were the best at it. You know, that was just mm -hmm, a boy. Mm -hmm. That was how you did it. And when something goes wrong, they acknowledge, okay, well, you know, gee, that, that went wrong. And then they're done with it. You know, and, and, or, if, you know, I, it's always funny. I spent several years as a lobbyist and you would see these men just go at each other and you're thinking they're going to kill each other. Right. And then they go out for beer, yep. you know, and, and, and it's because they're just done with it. You know, that, that, and for women, we internalize it and we hold on to it forever. And, you know, five years later, we remember that Judy said such and such about me. And of course it's taken on a life of its own by then. <laughs> and, you know, and, and that is, you know, and, and, but as children also, as, as girls, we were very, I don't want to say isolated, but, you know, it, it, we, we played with dolls by ourselves. Yes. We, you know, we sat and read by ourselves. I mean, that was just in, in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, obviously it depends on your family, where you live, all of those various things. But in so many ways, girls were taught that you just kind of existed on your own. But more importantly, you never bragged about yourself no. because it's not ladylike. No. Well, you know what? I don't want to always be a lady. And if I did a good job, maybe it's only the little voice in my head that's saying it. But, you know, that's kind of one of those things is we were and, and things have changed, you know, as uh, with the millennials and the generation Xers, you know, it, it tends to change. But you know, we really were taught, well, you don't brag about yourself. That is, that's just not what a woman does. I know. And, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, that's so very hard to get over. So in your book, and, and, you know, I know you could probably talk about this for <laughs> days, how do we get past those, those feelings of, well, I shouldn't brag about myself. I should be critical, you know, all of those things. Well, there, there's a direct correlation between our achievement in life and the confidence we have in ourselves. And mm -hmm. so if we want to uh, achieve things, we have to remember that we perform as well as we believe we will. So we have to start believing that we can do it. And we learn to believe in ourselves by reading powerful books, by listening mm -hmm. to powerful CDs, by going to hear good speakers, by watching positive programs on TV, mm -hmm. you know, and, and by getting out there and trying things. Because whether it's in our relationships or in our careers, you know, when we feel good about ourselves and we're doing well, we demonstrate our self-confidence. Right. So whenever we allow the opinions of other people to influence our opinion of ourselves, we give others power over us. And mm -hmm. we base our self-image on false ideas and false concepts. And many of us are still allowing the, the uh, opinions that others had of us years and years ago to affect our reality today. Mm -hmm. So we have to give that up. And, and I do affirmations, and I highly recommend that the people that I coach do affirmations. Mm -hmm. That An affirmation is where they make a positive, powerful statement to themselves about something right. they would like to believe about themselves. Mm -hmm. So they attach positive words to the words, I am. Like, mm -hmm. I am confident. I am capable. I am mm -hmm. unique. I am good at what I do. And so that's an affirmation. So whatever it is that we want to believe about ourselves, I recommend that we write it down. We put it everywhere we, we can see it, like on our mirror in the bathroom, on our visor in the car, in our wallet where our money is. And we just read that affirmation to ourselves over and over. And we repeat mm -hmm. it out loud when we see it. Repeat it out loud because it takes about 21 days for our mind to actually accept that this is a true statement. In the beginning, mm -hmm. like you say, that little voice inside will argue. You say, I'm powerful, and your brain goes, no, you're not. And right. so 
You have to say, yes, I am. I am powerful. Mm -hmm. And you repeat it. But you want to do it with feeling. You want to, if you don't have a feeling on that affirmation, if you don't have an emotion on it, mm -hmm. it may not work. You've got to feel, I am powerful. Mm -hmm. and, and even if it's, um, I don't believe it right now, but I am powerful. Because right. then you are getting the affirmation in, even though you're acknowledging that you don't believe it right now. Mm -hmm. And so it, you have to get the feeling with it and talk to yourself very, very, very positive. Mm -hmm. And then I, well, and, go ahead. And of course, it's important that, uh, you know, as, as you were saying that, and I'm, I'm visually thinking, you know, writing these things down. So it's important that it's, you know, it's, you, you've written the sentence, I am powerful. And then it's a period. It's not a question mark. No. I am powerful. No. You know, and it's not a comma. I am powerful, but, yeah. you know, it's I am powerful, period. Right. You know, and, and then just stop there. And now, granted, there there are times where you're thinking, okay, now I, you know, I am I'm good at my job, but I could do this to be better mm -hmm. at my job. But, you know, it, it really is just that I am whatever, period. Exactly. You know, and, and then, then go from there. Exactly. That's why I named the book, You Are More Than Enough. And then people have affirmations in the book that say, I am more than enough. There is right. no one who can be a better me than I can be. Mm -hmm. Or I am complete just as I am. Mm -hmm. So we want to believe these things, but it takes a while to believe it. But also in writing it down, write it in cursive writing, because mm. research has told us that cursive writing has a direct correlation with the subconscious mind. Uh -huh. And so when we write it out in cursive, it makes an imprint on the subconscious mm -hmm. mind and helps us to believe it even more. Right. Oh, what are we going to do with all these kids that they're not even taught cursive in school anymore? It's scary. It really mm -hmm. is scary. Right. And I, I actually, in some of my, my group coaching, I'll have people that say to me, but I don't do cursive writing. Uh, you know, when mm -hmm. I tell them I want them to write out there, I don't do cursive writing. Can I just type it in the computer? I say, oh, well, no. yeah, you can type it in the computer, mm -hmm, right. but it is not going to make the imprint on your brain. Mm -hmm. You have to imprint it in your, in your mind. And so right. they'll say, okay, well, could you show me how to do that? And it's like, mm -hmm. I think they're grown up and they don't know how mm -hmm. to do that, but right. it's because they're not being taught. And I think right. with so many of the modern conveniences, we are skipping some of the things that, that our forefathers and our elders knew knew worked, but they didn't know how to explain to us why they worked. They right. just told us they did. And then we're not learning to do those things now. And it's going to hold us back in some ways. Mm -hmm. Well, and cursive, and, and maybe it's because we don't use it nearly as much as we used to, you have to think about it more. And, and you know, part of it is you have to think about it to make it legible. But, um, and so maybe that is why it's imprinting more in our brain is, is we, we're having to stop and think more about what we're writing as opposed to just either quickly typing it or, you know, scrawling it out on a sticky note. When you really are, th are thinking about the words you're writing, that is where that, that comes in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, so many of us don't use our imaginations today like we used to. Children right. don't have to use their imaginations. They have all these computer games. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was a child, I was sent outside to play by myself. And mm -hmm. I had wonderful imagination. And so mm -hmm. consequently, we used our brains to come up with new ideas and new things. Right. And, and we used to put puzzles together in the house and we would do mm -hmm. word puzzles and things where I don't see the kids today doing that. And it worries no. me because mm -hmm. it, it, those kind of things teach us how to figure things out. They teach us mm -hmm. how to solve problems. They teach right. us how to... Uh, accomplish what we want and to get what we want in life because mm -hmm. we've had to figure it out. We've had to use our, our imaginations in order to mm -hmm. come up with something new and different. And mm -hmm. you know, until you can think it up, you can't make it happen. Right. You know, and, and it is one of those things that has changed from generation to generation on, you know, how we did stuff, you know, and it's, it's kind of a weird dichotomy as we're losing one skill like writing in cursive we might be gaining in a skill of more self-confidence, you know, and, and, you know, as, as, because people are taught different, you know, the, the, the generation Xers and the baby boomers thought about it. And, and especially women, you know, we thought, you know, we need to teach our daughters and our sons to be better people, exactly. you know, and, and things like that. And, and so it is kind of one of those weird things where you lose one thing and you gain something else. Exactly. Exactly. Well, now, one of the things why that little voice crops up in our head so much 
is fear. So talk to us about fear and why, why it's almost in many ways, we're, well, we're, we're, we are afraid that we're going to fail. We're afraid of people's criticism. We're, you know, all of these various things. So really, what is this thing with fear and, and, you know, how do we deal with it? (laughs) Well, one of the things happens is we're taught very early on in life that we must be aware of what other people think of us or mm-hmm. or we have to please our parents and make the kind of grades that we should make. And these things do create fear in our minds. It's not fear of, of physical pain or physical hurt that's hurting us mm-hmm. the most nowadays. It's the, it's the fear of rejection, the fear of what other people think, the fear of uh, will I do it well enough. And, mm-hmm. and so that's where we've got to get past the point of being so concerned about other people and start Mm -hmm. being concerned about ourselves. You know, when we're real goal focused, when we have an idea and we say, I'm going to make this happen and we just get in and we stay at it. We don't seem to suffer the fears of other things like fear of rejection and, Mm -hmm. and fear of failure. And even some people have fear of success because with success comes a lot of responsibility that Mm -hmm. perhaps they don't want to uh, have to take, take care of. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I find that we have one of two things. We either have fear or we have faith. We either Mm -hmm. believe we can do it or we're fearful that we can't. We either Mm -hmm. believe people are going to like us or we're fearful that they won't. And so we've got to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And, And I think if we make the choice to say, you know, I have faith that I can accomplish this, I can do this, Mm -hmm. but that comes with setting a goal and going after it. And I'm mm-hmm. shocked at how many grown people have said to me that they don't they don't have a goal. They don't have anything written down. They don't know mm-hmm. what they want. They don't know where they want to go next. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, pick something. Pick some right. little something so that you can focus forward because we can't do anything about the past. The past mm-hmm. is over. It's finished. There's nothing I can do about what happened yesterday except maybe apologize if I'm the one that did it. But right. I can't fix yesterday, but I can fix today and I can fix tomorrow. So if I Mm -hmm. stay focused forward, I'm going to have a lot more faith than if I'm constantly thinking, well, that didn't work yesterday or those people didn't like me or this isn't going to happen. And so it's a matter of giving up that fear. And we give up fear as we accomplish more, as Mm -hmm. we do more, as things turn out right, then we start to have more confidence Mm -hmm. and then the fear goes away. Right. But we have to push ourselves. I remember the very first time I went out of America, I went by myself to South Africa. Mm-hmm. I've never been so scared in my life. Right. I was on the plane all the way there. And then mm-hmm. I got there and the people dropped me at the hotel and I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anyone or anything. And I thought, OK, go down to the concierge and find out how to get a tour. And Mm -hmm. I went down to the concierge and the man was so nice. And he said, well, we don't have tours until tomorrow, but I'll set you up a tour. And then today Mm -hmm. you just need to put your camera in a paper bag and put your money in your shoe and just go for a little walk and look around Mm -hmm. and see. And I did. And, you know, the more I did it every day, the more confident I became. And Mm -hmm. then, I mean, look at me now. I've been to 28 countries around the world and most of them Mm -hmm. by myself. Right. And the nice thing about traveling by yourself is you meet all kinds of people you probably wouldn't mm-hmm. meet if you were talking to someone else. Right. So sometimes it, that fear is good. I even still now get it a little bit when I'm on that plane mm-hmm. going to some new country where I've never been before. I'll think, oh, what if nobody's there to meet me? What if I have to? And I think you've done this. You can make mm-hmm. this happen. So right. the more successes we build, the more success we will have. And the fear mm-hmm. will go away. It will. Right. Well, and fear is still a good thing. I mean, you know, you there because it keeps you on your toes. You know, you are walking in an area you've never known. Okay, so you're going to pay attention to your surroundings, things like that. Exactly. But you know, it's it's funny. I have a, a friend, a good friend, who spent two years teaching in Dubai, and now she's spending two years uh, teaching in China, and she's there by herself. And she sends these email messages, you know, these emails that talk about what she does, and you know, and and she just goes off on her own. Now she's never been a shy person, but you know, the things that she talks about and the things that she does now, I'm, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm pretty 
confident in, in doing things and I will go and I will ask, but she, she goes way beyond what I would ever do. Um, you know, and, and it's just incredible to hear her stories about, well, you know, this, uh, she, she recently went on a, a, one of the trips to, to an outlying area in China. She was the, you know, clearly the only American there. And so people kind of stared at her and, and she said, you know, but she was going to stay there. It wasn't that, you know, she was going to let them intimidate her to leaving. Now she was very conscious of her surroundings. So she knew she was safe, but you know, she, she kind of talked to various people until she found somebody who spoke enough English that they could help her do a little bit of stuff. And, you know, she just goes merrily along when most people, if they were even brave enough to, to go take those type of positions, would go to work and their apartment and work and their apartment because they, they'd be too afraid to venture out. Um, you know, clearly when she was in Dubai, there were a lot of different restrictions. And, um, and she was always very, very careful to make sure that she honored their culture and, you know, did did things that, that she really needed to do. She would never, ever have, have not done that. But, you know, it, it really is incredible. And, and it's fun to read her emails because, you know, it's like, wow, you know, I, I can't believe she has enough cojones <laughs> to, to go and do all of that. Yeah, it's, it, you know, but once you're in a country like that far away, I mean, what a shame if you don't explore the culture, right. if you don't get out and see what mm -hmm. it is and, and do it. And I guess I was pretty lucky because I had a mother that was quite adventurous. And when I was mm -hmm. uh, a young girl, not a, not even a teenager yet, my mother had a circus. And in the summertime, I would go with her to travel with the circus. Mm -hmm. And whenever we oh, would get fun. to a new town, the mm -hmm. first thing she would do is walk the whole downtown she would mm -hmm. take me by the hand and we would walk and look at the stores mm -hmm. and look at the places right. and see where the parks were and mm -hmm. and then we would go to the chamber of commerce and we would meet people and and so it always seemed like that's what you were supposed to do you're supposed to mm -hmm. explore these places right. mm -hmm. and I, yeah. I think what happens is because of this fear we have you know we we fear going out into the unknown we miss so many wonderful things right. And mm -hmm. we have to step out of our comfort zone. And I, I think what happens oftentimes is we're in this comfort zone and then we find we have to step out of it. So we jump out into the panic zone and mm -hmm. we are out there eh, trying to figure right. out what to do, what mm -hmm. to do, what to do. And then the minute we figure it out, then we go back in our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But the great thing about that is there's a growth zone between the two. And so mm -hmm. when you go out of your comfort zone into panic and then from panic back, you're going through that growth zone. And every time you try something new, you're growing mm -hmm. a little bit. You're getting a little more comfort. Your comfort zone is expanding. Mm -hmm. And so we have to push ourselves sometimes, push ourselves. And the more we do that, the more self-esteem we have, the more self-confidence we have, mm -hmm. the more we'll learn to believe in ourselves. Right. And the more we get through, I mean, even the bad things in life that happen to us, Sometimes mm -hmm. things just go go wrong and right. something doesn't work right, but we get through it. And then when it's mm -hmm. over, we think to ourselves, wow, I can't believe I, I got through that. I accomplished mm -hmm. that. And then next time something happens like that, it's easier because we know how to deal with it. Right. You know, there, there is really a good thing in learning from your mistakes. Um, you know, and, and so it's, you know, just because it didn't work out the way you intended certainly doesn't mean it was not something you should try again. Now, you know, clearly there are exceptions, but, you know, it, it is something where it is okay to go and try those things and then go, ooh, okay, maybe I should ask the concierge <laughs> where to go as opposed to just wandering out on my own or, you know, things like that. But, you know, in your book, you talk about, you know, one of the little voices is the should of and the if only thinking. Yes. You know, if only I had gone out and explored my city or I should have asked my boss if I could take on this task. You know, all of those things. So how do you turn the if onlys and the should ofs into positive thought? Well, the thing is, if if we didn't do something we feel we should have, then is it too late? Can we still do it? Mm -hmm. Can we still do a form of it? Can we still do something about it now? Right. And if we can, fine. And if we can't, let it go. Because mm -hmm. we can carry that, I should have, if only I would have, if I could have uh, married somebody different, had different parents, mm -hmm. had lived in a different place. Uh, we can carry that to the extreme. And then we right. paralyze ourselves and we don't mm -hmm. go any further. So how do you turn loose of it? You turn loose of it by setting a new goal, by saying, okay, I didn't do that. What am I going to do now? 
What am I going to mm-hmm. do about it? What am I going to do next time? Mm-hmm. I always like to look at those situations and say, okay, what's missing, what's needed, and what's next? Mm-hmm. Is there something missing here? Did I miss something? Do I need to do something different? What is my need now? And what is the next step? And then write the, mm-hmm. write the first step. And once we get the first step down, we'll see how to do the next step. But sometimes it's just hard to figure out what the first step is. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to move on, and and mm-hmm. sure we, we there's probably a lot of things that we could feel bad about and say if only or if I could have or if I should have, but it's it's time to give that up. It's mm-hmm. time to move forward. It's time to say, okay, I didn't do it that time. What am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned the fact that you know sometimes we can't even figure out that first step, and so it's important to have good friends, good associates maybe a mentor that you can talk through these situations with. But, you know, so many people think, well, I don't want to seem like I'm whining or I'm complaining or, you know, all of these things. Why is it so important to have a good mentor or someone you can share that information with and get good feedback from? I think a mentor is one of the most important things we can have in life. And so many people don't have one because they don't know for sure what a mentor is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a mentor is someone, you know, personally that can help you achieve what it is you want to achieve and Mm -hmm. or they can explain something to you that perhaps uh, you wouldn't get that information from someone else. But you can't just walk up to somebody you don't know and say, oh, excuse me, would you be my mentor? Mm -hmm. What you do is you find someone you really admire and respect and then you start helping that person. You start Mm -hmm. saying, what can I do to help you? And then mm-hmm. before long, you'll find that that person wants to help you. It's a situation. Interesting. I did a podcast a couple of years ago with a young man. He interviewed me on the podcast and we had mm-hmm. such a nice time on the podcast. And then he said, I'm going to be in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks where you live. Why don't I buy you lunch? And I said, great. So Perfect. he bought me lunch and it turned out he was just an incredible young man with a lovely wife and four little children. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked and chatted. And at the end of the, um, the time we had together at lunch, he said to me, and what can I do for you? And I thought, isn't that interesting? I've not Mm -hmm. had someone say that before. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, you could teach me how to do a podcast. And he said, okay, I'll do that. And Mm -hmm. so he started giving me the information and everything. And then he, he came to my home a couple times and showed me how to get the right equipment and set up everything. Wow. And then one day he was at my home and there was another young man there that I had been coaching and he said, I heard you say to that other young man that you had a, a program that you would offer to him if he wanted to use it for uh, training. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to use it anymore. And I would license it to someone. And I thought he might want it, but he didn't. And he wanted to do his own thing. And he goes, well, I would like to have it. Mm. And I said, you would? And he goes, mm-hmm. yeah, could we make a deal where you know, you license it to me. And I said, okay. So then I licensed it to him. And then of course, the next thing I ended up having to do was show him how to train, right. how to do mm-hmm. the program. And I kind of just became his mentor without even cool. realizing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it, like months later, he said to me, it's so exciting to have you for my mentor. And I was like, I guess you do. Mm-hmm. Well, but see, it just happened because he was so willing to give he mm-hmm. was right there saying, let me help you. Right. And then I was like, okay, and here, you take this. And, mm-hmm. it, and it became a very exciting relationship for both of us because now mm-hmm. he's got his new business that he wanted and he's got all the programs written and all the PR done and all the brochures that he didn't have mm-hmm. to put together. And for me, it was, it was a win-win because now, I don't have to do the program. I still make a little bit of money off of it, mm-hmm. and everybody's happy. But, right. but now, the other young man totally passed up that opportunity because I said, I have this program. Would you like it? And he said, no, I just want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And then after he heard that the second young man got the program, he called me and he said, I think I made a mistake. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, I think you did. Mm-hmm. And, but, you see, sometimes opportunities present themselves to us And we're not Mm -hmm. ready for them. Right. And so a mentor is somebody that we acquire kind of when we're ready and we're Mm -hmm. saying, okay, let me help you with something. And then that person opens doors for us and that person Mm -hmm. makes things happen for us. But it's, 
usually it's got to be a win-win. Both people mm-hmm. need to get something out of it. It's not just one person gives, 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 and the other takes, mm-hmm. takes, takes. Right. Then on the other hand, a role model is something different. A role model mm-hmm. you may not know personally. They may even be dead, but it's somebody that you admired or you respected or you studied mm-hmm. their life, you learned something about, and you try to emulate that person. And sometimes they can be one and the same, the role model and the mentor. Right. Mm-hmm. They can be the same because we, we admire and respect that person. Mm-hmm. But I've been so fortunate in my life. I've had so many women and men that have been mentors along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined a group when I was a young a young girl, a group called Seroptimus International. It was called mm. Sisters in Optimism. And mm-hmm. the, um, the ladies in that group were all very powerful executives. And I was just starting my business. And there were five of them that just helped me. They, mm-hmm. they said to me, you need to dress differently. You need to look differently. You need mm-hmm. to learn how to speak in public. You need to learn how to present yourself. And because they spent time with me and did things with me, I did. I became a better person. I became mm-hmm. more professional. I, I learned how to dress better and look right. better. And it made a major difference in my life. I, I believe mm-hmm. if you don't have a mentor, you need to get out there and find one. Right. Well, and of course, part of that mindset is knowing that they're wanting to help you, even when it might be a criticism. You know, there's there's definitely a huge difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. Exactly. You know, being told, hey, you know, you, you really should dress differently. They're not saying, oh, my God, you're a horrible, you know, ugly, whatever. They're trying to say this will help if you wear a suit. Yeah. Okay. You know, or, or whatever. And, and, you know, we can still learn from destructive criticism, but part of it is we don't internalize it. You know, those little voices will take over again. But, you know, remember that that criticism is coming from a place of love, of wanting somebody to help, you know, all of those things and, and not turning it into the, uh, you know, where the little voice goes berserk again. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's very important for us when we're around people that, that can mentor us. It's very important for us to stay positive and not mm-hmm. to whine and carry on. I I have various people that I've worked with over the years that sometimes their whining just wears you out and right. you just need to say, stop. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. who we associate with is so important. Right. It is so important. We need to associate with positive people, with people who mm-hmm. have positive ideas with people who talk about ideas, who talk about possibilities, who talk about choices and how things can be. And if we would stay focused on those more positive issues, it's amazing how much better our life is. Mm -hmm. And if we're around someone who's just gossiping and complaining and talking about other people and complaining about their weight and complaining about Mm -hmm. their clothes, it just pulls us down. Right. Yeah. If they say, oh, I need to lose 10 pounds, we go, oh, I need to lose 15, you know, or, or whatever it is, because we feed off of that negative energy. Exactly. Exactly. I have a friend. Um, I just absolutely love her. She's a very powerful woman in South Africa. She owns, um, well, she's she was the first female chairman of the board of a Johannesburg listed company. So mm. she's, you know, she started a a small rental car company that just grew into a huge, huge company and, Mm -hmm. and uh, got listed. And I mean, she just has done incredible things with her life, but she's always said it's who you surround yourself with. Right. You know, and she used to always say to me when I first met her, you know, look at your five closest friends, whoever Mm -hmm. your five closest friends are, are they successful? Because if they aren't, they're going to pull you down. If there mm-hmm. are, you're going to be more successful. And mm-hmm. it's not because you're picking friends for their success. It's because of their mental, um, their mindset, where they are mm-hmm. at that time. When they're when people are successful, they have a more successful mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. We want to be around right. people who are thinking forward and who are coming up with ideas and who are using mm-hmm. their imagination to make the world better. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because then they also want the people around them to be successful and to be confident. And, you know, and, and so they, rather than saying, well, you looked horrible today, you know, they'll say, wow, I really love that topic you talked about. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, because they, they just think positively. So they put out positive. Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, and to me, that's where social media ties in. See, I, I said we get social media <laughs> in here. You know, it, it, studies have shown that Facebook is a big cause of depression in people because we, you know, depending on how you use social media, and, and in particular, I'm talking about Facebook, we, you know, now I will accept I don't accept every friend request. You know, we have to have had mutual friends and, and things like that. But, you know, you do tend to kind of, you know, you, most people aren't as selective as they should be on Facebook. And then you read their posts. And it's horrible and awful. And and we're not saying those things don't happen to people. We're not saying that, you know, you, you shouldn't be able to talk about them. But, you know, we're reading all of these negative posts. You know, as, as we're doing this program, we're right in the middle of election season. And, oh, you know, the, the things that I read that people are saying, now, I, I don't read them. I mean, I, you know, okay. th I get through like the first two words on somebody's post and I'm done with it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to read that candidate X did this or candidate Y does that no. because I don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but they also do the same things with, um, you know, my, my boss is so horrible or I had this client who did X and all of these negative things and, and. And it does, you know, when you spend five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, granted, I have social media on all the time, so I, I see it more, but all of those negative posts do tend to start kind of sucking the energy and the life out of you. And so it is important when you're on social media to A, be positive. Now, like I said, you're not always positive. You know, there things happen to people, but, you know, to skip over those negatives and, and you know, realize that. You know, what somebody says about a candidate, their boss, their spouse, their whatever, okay, they vented, go on, you know, and, and, but, you know, have you found that because you've, you've been doing this, you know, it, long enough that social media has really come into prominence. Have you found that, you know, there are people who, who have fed off of it more than they should have? Oh, most definitely. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I make a point to always put positive posts on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I, I post four times a day on about five different social medias, and I make sure that they're always a, a short and very positive mm -hmm. post. And it's amazing how many people say to me, oh, I just needed that post that you gave today. I, right. I needed that so much. Thank you for just putting that short little note to remind me of my positive mm -hmm. self. And I think that's very important. I, like you say, I don't, I don't, some people get on there and they rant and rave and I just skip right. over them because, mm -hmm. and the amazing thing to me is that some of these people who, who write these rants are people that I know in real life and yeah. they think they're positive. And then they write this stuff and I think, are you kidding me? You know, that's not going to give you a good impression. People, mm -hmm. people are going to read that and they're going to know that you're a negative person. How can you just put that out there like that? Right. You know, but the thing, another thing about the social media that I find interesting is sometimes a lot of people will post only the good things on their life. You know, mm -hmm. I'm visiting this country. I'm seeing these people. I'm snow skiing. I'm with my wonderful love of my life, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then people who don't have those things happening in their life are looking and thinking, well, everybody else has these glamorous, wonderful lives, but poor me. I don't. I don't mm -hmm. have it. And so that's another thing. We have to remember that some people post only the good things mm -hmm. and some people post only the bad things. And, and, you know, not take that stuff and start comparing ourselves. We've got to quit right. playing the comparison game. It's mm -hmm. not about am I like them or uh, am, I, am I in competition with them? It's about what do I want out of life? What am mm -hmm. I doing with my life? During this period of time that I have here, am I really truly doing what I want? Am I accomplishing what I want? Am I mm -hmm. setting my goals and making this happen? I, and I don't think that's selfish to think of ourselves. It, right. It's, it's not even, I wouldn't even call it self-centered, but it's important for us to know what we want because this is our life and we don't know mm -hmm. when it's going to end. We could live 20 years or 100 years. It, it's That's just the way life is. You just mm -hmm. never know when something's going to happen. And so why not make each day a day that you want to live, a day mm -hmm. that you want to enjoy, be around the people you want to be around. And you have to take the initiative to do that. And that's why mm -hmm. I talk about you have to have a purpose and, and you have to go after that purpose with your passion. And if you do that, you're going to give yourself power. And I don't mean power over other people. 
I mean the power to live the kind of life that right. you want. And mm -hmm. so you set those goals and you set those desires and you say, this is what I want and you go after it. And sometimes it's mm -hmm. not going to work out the way you want it. That's going to happen. You're going to have disappointments, but you pick yourself up and you set another goal and you go forward. If mm -hmm. you don't, life goes by and you don't accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. Right. And, and you, you don't believe you're enough. I have people all the time tell me, well, I don't have the education or I don't have whatever. And I go, wait, wait, wait. I, you know, I, with my coaching, I do a lot of creativity coaching. I coach writers and speakers and artists and comedians, you know, people who have a tendency to sometimes get mm -hmm. very stuck. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll say, like I had an artist the other day, she's a fabulous artist. She does these wonderful abstract paintings and they're very unusual, very different from other people. And she said to me the other day, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a real artist because I haven't had formal art training. I said, oh, excuse oh. me, let's just go throw your paintings in the trash. Bin. Yeah, and yeah, since they're not any good. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, she's won all kinds of awards, right. but she, she doesn't see herself because she doesn't have the education that she thinks she should have. Now, mm -hmm. where did she get that thought? You know, that I, you have to have an education to be an artist. Somebody else said it. Exactly, exactly. We let the opinions of other people affect our lives. And mm -hmm. yet she's a fabulous, fabulous artist. And I have it happen very often as well with uh, the various writers that I work with. You know, they, they get stuck and they can't seem to move forward with their writing. And I say, wait a minute, you know, who are you writing for? Mm -hmm. Who are you writing for? Write down anything and everything you think, put it down there, and then get an editor to come in and help you make it work. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get yourself so caught up in being perfect. Some people can't get past the first chapter because they've got to re-edit and re-edit and re-edit mm -hmm. their chapter because they're trying to make it perfect. Right. And that's the problem. Too many of us think we have to be perfect. You know, mm -hmm. excellence is good enough. Very mm -hmm. good is good enough. Good is good enough. Why, mm -hmm. Why do we think right. we have to be perfect? Mm -hmm. And of course, though, the key is that we are more than enough, as your book title is. Yes, I love that book title. I'm I know. Yeah. We're not just saying you're okay. You are more than enough. Yeah. You you, you know, if, if you are at all uh, together, you're more than enough. You can, you right. can make things happen. You've got mm -hmm. a brain. You, you've got a body. You're functioning well. Everything's happening. You know, you, you are perfect just like you are. Mm -hmm. However right. God made you, that's how you are and you're perfect. Mm -hmm. And you can take that and make something really good out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. even people I know, like my brother who, who was in a very bad accident and lost the use of his legs, he still had a lot of things he could do. Right. Oh, definitely. You know, and, definitely. And he made a, a good life for himself. He moved forward. Mm -hmm. He didn't he didn't sit in that wheelchair forever and just feel sorry for himself. He mm -hmm. got up on the artificial limbs and he tried and he went forward and he helped other people who lost their limbs learn how to mm -hmm. walk and how to drive their cars and things. I mean, it, life goes on, even mm -hmm. even with bad things that happen to right. us. And yeah, and it's going to go on. We, you know, it, it, that's just the way things are. It really is. It really right. is. Well, Judy, holy cow. We just barely scratched the surface on your book because I want to, and, and so I want to have you on again because I want to talk about this whole perfectionist concept <laughs> and several of the things that, that you talk about in your book. But until then, how do people find you and connect with you online? Oh, you can find me at judymorio.com. My name is spelled with an I. It's J-U-D-I-M-O-R-E-O.com. So they can write me, Judy, at JudyMario.com. Or they can connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on all the social medias. Great. You can find me out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got some fabulous resources. You've got your blog. You've got your e-zine. You've got all sorts of tools that people can use. And, and, of course, you have your books, one of which we've been talking about, You Are More Than Enough. Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion, and Power. And we have a wonderful magazine that I put out four times a year. It's a very positive magazine. It's at choicesonlinemedia.com. And cool. uh, it, the name of the magazine is Choices. It's online, and we have fabulous writers, and it's a very positive magazine, free of charge. All they have to do is register to get it. Great. I love it. 
Well, I've been having a wonderful time talking with Judy Morio. And as I said, we will have her on again because we just scratched the surface of this. And I think this is, is a topic that is so very important. We could probably talk five, six, eight, nine, ten hours on this because <laughs> it's, sure. it's so good. I'm sure. Yep. But, you know, I am Deb Creer. Easy to find me online, D-E-B-K-R-I-E-R.com. And until next week, everyone have a great time. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>